How is everyone? Is everyone all right? Is everyone happy? Joyful? Great. We sang, we sang some exciting songs, some great songs, haven't we, um, of what God has been doing throughout all of history, um, through the prophets, from the beginning of creation, uh, through his Messiah, promised Messiah, and uh, for what he did in, in saving us from sin and death. And it is wonderful to come together and to, um, to have the opportunity to think about this a bit more for ourselves. Um, so maybe there's some people who uh, are fairly new to the church. It's wonderful to see um, some people who have come along and uh, finding out what we're about as a church and what we believe. I mean, we sung about some of the things, but um, this is a good example. Um, I want to ask you a question. Are you living a life that is under a curse or are you living a life that is blessed? Are you living a life that is under a curse or are you living a life that is blessed? Um, you do hear people using that kind of language, don't you? Um, if you typed into Google, blessed, what kind of things do you reckon would come up as your image, image search? Come on, shout out some ideas. Hugging the mates, family, yeah. What else? Blessed? Holidays. Sorry? Holidays. Holidays, yeah. Ooh, nice. That's blessed. I'm feeling blessed, yeah. Anything else? Money. money. Okay, money. Okay, so that's what we, that's what the language that we use, isn't it, of blessed. That's kind of what people are saying is we've, we've got these things. That's the blessed life, okay? Which by implication means that the people who don't have those things are cursed. They're living under a curse. That's the way we think. Naturally, we think people who have are blessed and people who don't have are cursed. Their life is sort of somehow under a curse. Um, But the Bible, this part of the Bible, says something very different. It says that those living under a curse are actually those who think they can be in the right with God their own way. That that is what it means to be living under a curse. And that those who are blessed are those who have heard and believed about God's promise, just as Abraham did. So those who have heard and believed what God says, just as Abraham did. They're the ones who are blessed. And it got me thinking, that's that's very different, isn't it, from the world around us. That's very different from the, the, the view that we just described. Imagine if we started seeing the world through that lens, through God's lens, where it wasn't, just uh, the world and, and society wasn't divided up by those who have all the admiration, like celebrities and uh, achievements, like the sports personalities and possessions, like the, the business owners, are sort of on this end of the scale, the, ble- the blessed ones. And those facing severe trials or suffering on the other end, or illness, imagine if actually there were only two groups. There's not a scale, a sliding scale. scale. There's actually only those who are blessed by God or under God's blessing who have believed and heard about his promises and those who are living under a curse, the curse of the law. Imagine if there's only two categories. You're either blessed by God, you receive the blessing of being one of his people, or you're living under a curse, the curse of the law, which is death. It's a very different way of thinking, isn't it? Not a sliding scale, but one or the other. Simply, are you blessed? Or are you under the curse of the law? And that is exactly what Paul is talking about in Galatians 3. Paul is writing to some new believers. They have heard 
and have believed the good news about Jesus. They're the blessed ones. Uh, Paul says that, doesn't he? He said, um, those who are of faith are, uh, are the sons of Abraham. And they receive the promise of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham. He's talking to these new believers. They have known that peace comes from God, from their sins being forgiven, because they have, their sins have been paid in full by Jesus on the cross. They were not saved by their own efforts. No, that was what got them into the mess in the first place. But by God, by his loving kindness alone. And yet having started out like that, they now are being drawn into another way of living and thinking. That flips the whole thing on its head entirely. So they started out thinking, yeah, it's God, it's God who saves, God who saves. And then as they go on, they think, oh, oh is it? Oh, maybe there's stuff we need to do and... Maybe it's really us in our efforts that, that make us confident that we're, we're still saved. That's why Paul says, um, so sorry, they are being encouraged to do something that is commanded in the Bible, which is circumcision. Uh, but for the old, uh, in the Old Testament, before the coming of Christ. And they're being told to do that in order that they would be sure that they're saved. So you can see how these people are suddenly starting to think. Hmm. Should I, should I do what they're telling me to do? Should I, do I need to do that? They're being unsettled. And they're actually going along with it. So um, this is the, probably the most strongest bit of the letter. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You can hear the anguish in Paul's voice. It's not we read it a bit like, oh, foolish Galatians. Sorry, no, I'm not saying you read it like that. But um, it's, it's passionate. Imagine the size of the letters that Paul's writing with here. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's passionate about them. Who has bewitched you? Who has, tried, who has got in and started to convince you otherwise? You started off well. He talks about later on, you were running well. Who hindered you? Who got in your way? You were running well. You started off well. What's changed? In the middle section of this letter, uh, chapter 3, Paul is going to put the Galatians through their spiritual paces. And he's going to ask them some blunt questions. And that's how this uh, chapter starts. And then he's going to uh, teach them using some Bible passages about what it means to be a people of faith who are declared righteous by God. It reads, uh, I, I hope you find this helpful, it reads to me at least a bit like a court case or a trial. Um, so if you look down with me, uh, verses 1 to 6 or 1 to 5, what do you notice about those verses? They're all questions. Thanks, Ava. Yeah, they're all questions. So he's, he's sort of, it's like the interrogation room before the trial, you know. Paul is in the shining light in their eyes and saying, you know, what, what, what's the answer to this question? What's the answer to this question? He's questioning them. Um, and he's putting before them in all of those questions the thing of, um, did this happen by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Um, so let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit, as in were you saved, or in the, in the beginning did it? Did this happen by works of the law, as in by doing what God commanded, or by hearing with faith? And then he carries on, doesn't he? Um, did you suffer so many things in vain, in verse 4? Does he who supplies the spirit to you, as in continues to work in you, Galatians, is he doing that by works of the law? Because you're, because you're somehow fulfilling that law. Or 
Or is he doing it by hearing with faith? So he's setting up those two things. So it reads a bit like a court case with the interrogation room, if you like, um, in verses 1 to 5. Um, then Paul calls forward his main witness in verse 6. Abraham, right. It's actually, it's actually the scriptures concerning Abraham that he calls forward as a witness to what he's saying. Because he says, he, he quotes Genesis 15. Um, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's the direct quote. And then he talks about Abraham. That's his main witness. And then Paul, in verses 7 to 9, Paul makes his case. He says, this is what I'm, this is my case. This is exactly what I'm saying um, in verses 7 to 9. He says, twice there, it is those who are of faith who are blessed along with Abraham or who are the sons of Abraham. So that's the, that's the meat of it. That's what Paul's making a case for. He's called forward his main witness, and now he's making the case. And then in verses 10 um, and 12, or 10 and 11, sorry, I think Paul goes on the front foot here. I think he's going as like the, taking up the pers- um, prosecution. So he's turned it around on people who would say, look, we are the blessed ones because we observe the, the law. And I think he goes on the front foot and he's, uh, he's the prosecution there. And then in verses, we're getting there. Um, and then in verses um, 13 to 14, I think the, um, the final verdict is being read there. What's the final verdict on this? And what Paul's trying to do is show that the Galatians aren't the one in the docks. They're not on trial. It's actually those who are still under the curse of the law. So he's flipping everything on its head. And we're going to look at it together. But why is Paul doing this? Well, Paul is doing this, setting before them the only assurance that they have that they can be right before God so that they wouldn't go looking elsewhere. Think of those people who are saying to them, you know, you really should do this or you really should do that. Or, oh, oh, you're not very Jewish. You're more, you know, you're Gentile. You've got to be a bit more like us. And he's doing it out of love for them, out of compassion to stop them, uh, to show them that they have everything that they need already. So why would they go looking elsewhere? Why would they need to have anything else? They have all that they need in Christ. Um, so, the interrogation room, verses four to, uh, 1 to 5. Let's read it together. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How did you begin, Galatians. Was it by the works of the law? Or was it by hearing with faith? Which one is it? How did you, how did you begin the Christian life? Was it, was it that you started to think, oh, it would be good to keep God's laws, and I'm going to try really hard to keep God's laws, and actually I can tick them all off, and I've done it, and then I started you know, the Christian life? Is that how I got in? Well, no. We all know, don't we? We start the Christian life by hearing the gospel, and at that exact moment that God shares the gospel with us, he gives us the faith to believe it. It's a supernatural thing. So at the point of hearing God's promise, we'll see Abraham in a minute, God helped him to believe, caused him to believe. Abraham had no works. He didn't have anything. He wasn't, you know, um, he didn't have the law even. He was from a, a pagan country and, you know, didn't know anything. And so, how did you start out? How did you begin, Galatians? 
Well, we know, don't we? It was by faith. Hearing with faith. And then he says, um, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So how are you, how are you going to carry on <laughs> then, Galatians? How do, how do you, if, if it was by faith that you started out this, in the Christian life, that you were saved, so how do you think you're going to carry on? Is it by a different thing to what you started out with? That wouldn't, that wouldn't make so much sense, would it? We were saved by faith and, you know, and then suddenly we'd, we'd, we've got to do all the rest ourselves. No. Paul says, uh, all of the answers to, the question, <laughs> to his questions are by faith, by the way. How is God doing these things among you? Um, he says that. Um, in verse 5, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul is helping them to see one simple point. If you didn't start off that way, why are you now assuming that's how you're going to continue? Why have you got pulled away from that? Why, why are you changing, allowing someone to change the tune or to teach you something different? And then in verse 6, Paul calls up his primary witness, which we've said is not, it is Abraham, but it's the scriptures concerning Abraham. Paul's saying... If a person is justified, which is made right with God, by faith and not by works of the law, I'm going to show you that it's nothing new. It's not that Paul's suddenly like, oh, sounds about right. No, if you look back at uh, Genesis 15, verse 6, just jump back in your Bibles. Um, first book of the Bible, easiest to find. Um, is it on page number 6 or 7? 10. Wow. It's only six in mine. Got a small print. Okay. Um, someone read out Genesis 15, verse 6. Or if you, if you read out um, the, cup, uh, the verse before as well. Verse 5 and 6. Abraham believed God... When he said that his, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that through him all nations would be blessed. We'll get to that bit in a minute. He believed God. And faith was counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness does not come by works of the law. But it comes by hearing with faith. That is how God declared Abraham to be righteous. At the exact moment he heard and believed the promise. It's not because he can pat himself on the back and say, oh, I'm really good at believing. No, because God caused him to believe. And he then declared him righteous. So Paul's calling forward his main witness to, to, believe, to the fact that faith, hearing with faith, is how God declares us to be righteous. It's how it's always been. If you want to think of Abraham... It's not a case that he was someone who believed, actually really believed that you could be in the right with God by your own works, by fulfilling the law. He didn't believe that. None of the, um, the main figures in the Old Testament did. The prophets didn't believe that. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, okay, so let's get to verse 7 and um, jump back to Galatians. Chapter 3. Uh, we're looking at verses 7 to 9. And here, Paul 
sets out his case. Remember, he makes his case. This is what he is saying. I want you to know. This is this is what I'm camp- um, this is what I'm standing for. Okay. Verse seven. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Verse nine. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What's his main point? Go on then. What about it? <laughs> so, not quite. He doesn't use the word justified yet. But what? How would they say Abraham? Yes, so blessed along with Abraham because you are a son of Abraham, right? Um, if we had pictures. Yeah, exactly. So, so who, who are the natural sons or true sons or spiritual sons of Abraham? Those who have faith like Abraham. That's what he says. Though then there is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. That's his main point here. There might be other people who say claiming to be the sons of Abraham and claiming that their way of being the sons of Abraham is the way to be the son of Abraham. They're wrong. It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And that means the Gentiles... If we had pictures of everyone in this room and their dads, and we matched up with the likeness, okay, and we tried to say, oh, whose dad is this? Well, I think we'd be able to tell quite a few people. (laughs) I mean, he's sitting over there and they're sitting over there, but I think we'd be able to match up, wouldn't we? And the point is that Paul's making is that those who are sons of Abraham have the likeness of Abraham, who they descend from. In that they have faith. In that they have the same faith as Abraham. What was the faith of Abraham? He believed the promise. We just read about that, didn't we? God spoke. And and, and God caused Abraham to believe, to trust in that promise. That it was true, that God was not lying. And that is the mark, the hallmark of all those who are descendants of um, Abraham. They were of faith. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Abraham was justified by faith. It was faith and not his works that counted him righteous. That God counted to him righteousness. And so faith is a hallmark of all Abraham's true descendants from any nation. Not circumcision and nothing else. It's not what church you go to. It's not what postcode you live in. It's not how much of the Bible you know. It's whether you're, God's given you faith to believe. That's what makes someone part of God's family. That's the point at which God declares them righteous. Right with him. And if you look with me down at um, verse 8. Just to uh, drum his point home. Um, the scripture... Paul says, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach this gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. This was always what God was doing. So always what God said he was going to be doing. Declaring people righteous when they're here with faith. They're true sons. They become his, his sons. 
true descendants of Abraham. And as um, you rightly said over there, they'd inherit the blessing of the promise. Blessing of that life as part of God's family. Um, okay, look, at, look down with me at verses 10 and 11. As I said, Paul goes on the front foot here. He sort of acts as a prosecution. Not towards the, 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 uh, the Galatians, but towards those who would say that they are the blessed ones and that the Galatians are, are not part of that club. He says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. All those who rely on works of the law to make them righteous with God are under a curse. They're still under the curse of the law because they fail to keep God's law. Um, it's taken from the book of the law, by the way, Deuteronomy 27 uh, is the book. It's taken from, but chapter 27, verse 26. It's kind of, um, it's right at the end of Deuteronomy. And uh, Deuteronomy is the, the book of the law. And after giving them, uh, the Israelites the law, Moses, or the Lord through Moses, um, there's this bit right at the very end, which is a whole list of curses that the Levites, the, the priesthood, were to declare. And this was the very last one that they declared, this curse. Read, read it with me. It says, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So if you don't fulfill all of the law, and yet you're trusting in the law to make you righteous, to make you right with God, then you're still under a curse. It's a bit like, um, we described it at our prayer meeting on Thursday, um, uh, God's law being a perfect chain, it's all linked perfectly together. It is perfect, because God is perfect. And we might say, look, I've only broken one link. In that chain. I've, I've only broken this bit of the law. But that chain is useless. As in, you can't, you can't then say I haven't broken it. Because you have. Even if you've broken it in part. And it's the same thing with God's law. And Paul says here, the scriptures always said, he always uses the scriptures to back himself up. Um, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by the, all things. By all things written in the book of the law. And do them. And then he says in verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. He's returning to his main point, isn't he? Um, the righteous shall live by faith. So he's saying the law and faith don't work the same way because one uh, brings life, but only if it's kept. That's the law. That's what he says. Um, the one who does them in verse 12. Look down with me at verse 12. The one who does them shall live by them. That's the law. It will bring life, but only if you live by it. And you can't. And I can't. And faith works differently to that, because everyone who has faith, if you look in verse 11, this is taken from a prophet, Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith, works differently. It gives life, declares anyone who has that faith to be righteous. And we're going to get to this. How can God declare anyone to be righteous? Isn't that, isn't he lying? Isn't he false? Isn't he wrong to declare someone who is a sinner 
righteous when they're not? Have you ever thought about that? If Abraham was allowed to be declared righteous by faith, what what about sin? What about the punishment for sin? What about the law? Well, let's have a look at that. Um, Paul goes on in verses um, 13 to 14. I'm going to spend a bit more time on this because these are, these are wonderful verses. Let's read them together. Let's just read it all out together. So uh, from verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit. Through faith. How can God declare Abraham righteous? Because the one in whom he had faith in was the one who had put himself under the curse of the law. There is a curse for breaking God's law it's death, separation from God. And God and Christ placed himself under that curse to redeem those who are under the curse. He did that for us. And that's what it says, a curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Again, an Old Testament quote. In that moment, Jesus was taking on himself the curse of us breaking God's law. It's not enough to just explain Jesus' actions there as sort of on a purely human level, saying, oh, he's heroic, he's brave, he's sacrificing for his friends. It's not enough to do that. The Bible doesn't leave us the option of doing that because it says that Jesus was under God's curse, under the curse of the law. Yeah, we can see something. We can see a man hanging there. But the scriptures tell us that that, what that means is that Jesus is under God's curse. He's cursed by God. And so there's a spiritual dimension to it. There's something much bigger going on. It's not just an act of love. It's not just an act of sacrifice. And that's exactly how God (laughs) declares us righteous. Those who are sinners. Through faith. He has to punish sin. He's a just God. Can't leave unpunished. But Christ became a curse in verse 13 for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, to the nations, to us. I think those two final verses are Paul, uh, the first half of it, you see there's two so that's in verse 14. The first so that is is looking back at what Paul has been saying about the blessing of Abraham, how it comes. But the second so that is looking forward in Galatians to what he's going to be saying about the Holy Spirit. Because people who have received the the promised Holy Spirit through faith, there's big implications. And then we're going to see some more of that as we go through. Um, I mean, for one, we're going to see it in chapter four. God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Right? 
Um, that's one of the implications of having the promised Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to see some more as we go through Galatians. It's wonderful, isn't it? This is the final verdict, and it's that those who are under the curse of the law heard and received that by faith, and that is how God declares them to be righteous. At the point of that happening, he sees them as righteous. They stand righteous before him. And that's the same thing. That's what the, why the Galatians didn't need anyone else telling them um, what they needed to be saved. They didn't need that. They can just say, okay, thanks. Cheers. Why would I need anything else? Um, so um, let's have a think of what this uh, means for each of us. Um, if you're a believer here today, I said at the start, I think, that um, Paul's writing this as a way that you wouldn't go away from what you've heard. By starting out by faith, that you know, we can think, okay, well, how, how am I going to progress in the Christian life? How am I going to continue in the Christian life? And we start doing other things, which might have started off good, but we start to put our confidence in those things to be our righteousness before God. And that can be really, that can just completely undermine everything that we know to be true about the gospel, about Jesus. Um, so if you're a believer, it was God's kindness to give you the family likeness of Abraham. The hallmark of all those who have been counted righteous, that you are now a true son, no longer a slave, but a son and an heir through God. It was kind of God to open your blind eyes to see the truth of the gospel. Such that when you heard his promise fulfilled in Jesus, you believed it. You didn't just hear it. We can all hear. With the help of a microphone. But, but God helped you to believe what you heard. That was the moment you accounted righteous. That was the moment, as Paul goes on to say, that the blessing of Abraham came to you. And when you received the promised Holy Spirit, it's not, it's not that we receive the Spirit at a late, later stage. I mean, some people would say, you know, you've heard the gospel, you believe the gospel, oh, we need to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. No, it all happens as one. <laughs> uh, we are wholly saved by this faith and nothing else, nothing more. And yet it is helpful for us to see as Christians that this faith that saves always has an effect in our lives. Someone once helpfully said that we are saved by faith alone. But the, sa the faith that saves is never alone. We are saved by faith alone, exactly what we've been hearing. But the faith that saves is never alone. It never comes on its own, as in there's always some response, there's some act action that goes with it. For Abraham, what was it? <laughs> well, there's quite a lot of change in Abraham's life quite early on. Uh, he heard, he believed. The promise, and he, he left his old life behind. Completely left it behind. Same as Christians. Leave behind the life of sin. Walk away. You, learning to trust and, and, and walk in obedience to God because we trust Him now as our Father. And what was Abraham doing? He was longing for the eternal home that God had given him, God promised him. So those three aspects um, will always feature in the lives of the people of faith. Uh, faith. It's faith alone that saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. There's always 
faith and works, faith working itself out in our lives. So if you're a Christian, uh, this is who you are. It was God's kindness to give you that faith, to, to believe what he said. He wasn't lying to you, it was true. To open your eyes to see who Jesus is and how he, his death is all you need to be right with him. So don't go elsewhere. You don't need anything else. The other people who say, you do need other things. Don't listen to them. Because if the Gentiles were 100% genuine sons of Abraham, case closed, so, so can we be. And the only way we can be is through faith. And we have received the Holy Spirit who declares to us that we are his sons. Um, it may be that you, you're someone who um, reads the Bible and comes to church and that you're, you sort of consider yourself to be blessed, one of the blessed ones, because you know the Bible, because you know the commandments and you know how God would have you to live, you think that you're at an advantage to those who don't know those things, who are completely oblivious. And yet the shock here is that by works of the law, by thinking you can keep God's laws, you are still under the curse of the law. Remember those two groups at the start? Bless. Those who have heard and believed under the curse of the law. If you think that you can be right with God by keeping the law, his law, you're still under the curse of the law. And that might be a shock to you, hearing that. There are many religions, um, one I've been interacting with quite a lot recently, even this week, that assume that the message of the prophets, and through people like Abraham, you know, the, the, fir the first major character, that, that, that God's message was, keep God's laws and you will be right with God. There's just an assumption that that is what the prophet's message was. <laughs> But I hope we've seen tonight that, that that isn't what the prophet's message was. The prophet of Habakkuk said, um, those who are righteous, the righteous shall live by faith. So he, he believed, he knew that there is a righteousness that comes by faith. And that uh, by works of the law, no one will be declared righteous. And so maybe it's that you've been around certain religious groups that have kind of just affirmed you in that thinking and never challenged you in that that's actually not it's not right that's not what they believed it's not what god said notice that god's god what god said to abraham wasn't you do this 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 but i will do this abraham i will do this abraham i will do this it's very different isn't it Lots of people think that the, essentially God's message throughout the ages has been, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then he needed to repeat himself. Do this, do this, do this, do this. We'll look at the law and we'll see how God used the law to show us our sin. That's his main purpose, was to show us we don't keep his law. Um, but God's promise to Abraham was, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. It's very different. And, and I'd encourage you to keep thinking like that, to... To see, keep seeing that, um, that this righteousness is not based on us keeping his law.
It can't be, because we don't. It comes through faith. Faith comes through hearing, and God declares what he promises to do. And he does what he promises to do as well. Um, If you're new to the Bible and to the hearing of Jesus, the prayer that you will need to start with then is, God, help me to believe what I'm hearing. Because that's the bit that you can't do. But yeah, that's the bit that God can do and that matters most. Because we're all hearing, again, with the help of a microphone, we're all hearing, but is God going to help you to believe what you're hearing? And you can ask him for that. You can say, please help me to believe what I'm hearing of you because such belief such faith comes only from him and such faith alone will be counted as righteousness before God so you can't be righteous without it let's pray Father God we praise you that in your son that Jesus became a curse to redeem those who are under the curse that that is the message that you proclaim to us, to people in sin who have broken your law, to a world in sin living under the curse of breaking your law, living in death and sadness away from you. And thank you that in giving us that message, you also cause us to believe that message. You give us faith. You open our eyes and ears to hear that message, to believe you. And thank you that you give us your righteousness. It's a gift from you. It's not earned. And thank you that we are 100% your children. We bear the hallmark of Abraham. Faith in your promise. And we don't need anything else. Thank you that we have received your Holy Spirit, your promised Holy Spirit. Amen.